the first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. Deep down, I wanted to believe that it was a different situation, but I knew that she was dead. Welcome to the First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Fanick, and I am sitting far away from Alexis Lingutter and Billy Jensen, who are once again connected at the head. <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah. Here we are. There, One headset. One headset. Two souls. Technical <sighs> difficulties. You know, the huge. Um, before we start today's episode... I needed to give a little bit of a shout out to Jared Monaco, who does all of our sound design, is also my boyfriend, and his band just released their new single called Sticky. It's fucking amazing. Everybody needs to go listen to it now, and we're actually chatting about it later in Killing Time. But, you know, if you need to stop the podcast for three minutes and put the song on, do it because it's worth it, but then come back when you're done. Listen, we support this. We're obsessed with Jared. Um... If you Google Alexis Lingler or Jared, that'll just up our algorithm. For some reason, me and Jared are on an algorithm together. If you Google Alexis Linkletter, Jared comes number three, Alexis Linkletter, Jared. So keep it going. Here for it. Love you, Jared. Sticky's number one. Sticky's number one in all of our hearts. But uh, what day is it today, Billy? All right. So today is March 24th. And you know what it is? What is it's, it? Th- this fits us so well it's national cocktail day that's what's up mm-hmm. um should we go around and say our favorite cocktail or go-to cocktail yes yeah, sure i love that go ahead lex vodka so i'm a tito soda gal through tito, and through tito soda billy what about you manhattan mm, i am an april spritz kind of gal Mm. Thanks to your friend Alexis. Thanks to Alexis, who single-handedly somehow brought them back. And then that is why they're so popular in America, is thanks to Alexis Linkletter, bringing them back from Italy. I will say that when I was drinking them like five years ago, I remember we, me and Jack were together at a birthday party in Palm Springs, and everyone was like, Alexis, you're disgusting. That's disgusting. I was like, yeah, you'll see, bitches. And then Jack got turned on to it. Jack never shunned me the way the others did. So I no. can't really uh, – I re- can't call Jack out on this. But at the time, Jack's always had this far, far reach – so she, I, I, I task, I, I credit Jack with the Aperol spritz sort of phenomena in in the United States. I, I helped bring it back a little bit. I did my but part, I, but I will say I planted the seed. You did but plant Jack, the seeds. Jack was the gardener. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jack planted it. Far, Jack was. You know, like she was I, like the bird who ate the seed and shit it everywhere I, instead wow. of far and wide. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay, you could go there. I am the shitting right. bird. That's hashtag shitting bird. Okay. I haven't slept in a while. I'm sorry. I am extremely hungover. Speaking of cocktails, um, Billy, are there any other good days or are we just sticking to cocktail day? I think we should leave it there. Yeah. You know what? (laughs) What? I mean, yeah. Honest about who we are. It's so on brand. Yeah. But I did look and it is National Cheesecake Day. So if anybody wants to have a little cocktail and a cheesecake, go to to Cheesecake Factory, aka My favorite restaurant. Jared and I ordered it in for delivery the other night, and I am not disappointed. I honestly it, feel like cheated on because, Jack, I always ask you to go to Cheesecake Factory with me. I know. And I want to go to, like, I live in Venice, so there are so many amazing restaurants. But sometimes you just got to get a Cheesecake Factory, you know? She's on me. It's fine. Avocado egg rolls, baby. Mm. All right. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. So today's case takes us back to Monday, February 4th of 2013. Songs topping the charts were Thrift Shop by Malcolm Moore and Ryan Lewis, Locked Out of Heaven by Bruno Mars, and Ho Hey by the Lumineers. And movies and theaters were Warm Bodies, Mama, Gangster Squad, and Very Good Girls. 
And we're going to travel through several cities in Colorado, but we're going to start in Denver. Now, Denver is the capital of Colorado, and it has the most people. Denver is one mile above sea level, and it's known for its blue skies and panoramic Rocky Mountain views. And our first degree for today's story is named Taylor, and her ordeal began, as so many often do, with a very unsettling text message. I remember getting a message from a mutual friend of me and Kelsey's, and we all hung out a lot in college, and I'm still in touch with her a lot. And she was just like, dude, we don't know where Kelsey is. Like, you haven't heard from her? And I was like, no, I haven't talked to her in a little while. Like, you know, what's going on? And she just said, well, she went to see Dante, but her phone is off. We don't know where she's at. And they just found her car. And it was just like, as soon as like I heard that, I just started like crying. Kelsey Schelling was 23 years old and she was working at a home store called Floors and Decor. She had a boyfriend named Dante Lucas, who she met in college. And this is where Taylor met both of them. I feel like it's so cliche. People say, oh, they were just so full of life or, you know, they just lit up the room. But with Kelsey, that was absolutely the case. And she was just so fun. She was always like finding a way to make you smile and laugh. Like her and her laugh was just so distinguishable that anytime like you heard it, even if you weren't in that room, like you knew that that was Kelsey laughing. She was just the type of person that would just do anything for anybody and could just really make anybody feel better with just like how bubbly she was. It was, you know, it's not something that, you know, you find in any person, the qualities that she had. So Kelsey Schelling was missing and had been for nearly a week by this point. We know what you must be thinking. Kelsey was 21. She had her boyfriend, Dante, a job, tons of friends. There could be some very reasonable explanation for why she's not in touch with her family for a few days, right? We wish that had been the case, but wrong. To understand why Kelsey's sudden radio silence was so alarming, we need to rewind and revisit the backstory looming over all of this. One that would lead to years of agony for Kelsey's friends and family. So Taylor and Kelsey met in college where Kelsey was studying psychology. I met Kelsey in 2010. We met in college at Northeastern Junior College. And I met her sister, a mutual friend, and... We became really close right off the bat, and we would all hang out together. Taylor also met Kelsey's boyfriend, Dante, in college when they ended up living in the same dorm. I lived in the same dorm as Dante did, and, like, saw him, like, at parties in college and saw him around campus. So I met him first, and, I mean, we never, like, hung out. NJC is a very small college, and... I lived on the third floor and he lived on the first floor. So like, you know, you run into each other when you're coming back from class or whatever, but we never like had a friendship just outside of when I would be nice to him when he was around because Kelsey loved him. At the time, Dante Isaiah Lucas was 22 years old and a forward on the Northeastern Junior College basketball team after a standout run for Central High School in Pueblo. Now, from the outside looking in, Kelsey and Dante appeared to be a happy couple. But according to Taylor and Kelsey's other friends, they were anything but. From the beginning, like right when they started dating, like all of us immediately didn't like him because he was so manipulative. And then he would make her feel like she was nothing. Like she was just completely defeated after you know, everything that he would say to her. And it was just so toxic. I don't want to say that we kept encouraging her to break up with him, but we just kept trying to get her to kind of see that the way that she was being treated wasn't normal or acceptable for anybody in a relationship. But it was hard because she genuinely loved him. She cared about him. You know, the relationship had that quintessential push-pull aspect to it breaking up and making up constantly. 
she would just give, 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 and he would just take. Like, he did not have a limit on what the toll was on her. Like, he never took her out for dinner. Like, he never took her out on dates. He never, he never did anything like that. He never even ate lunch with her in the cafeteria. Like, he didn't do the things that a boyfriend is supposed to do. One thing I guess that's really off-putting that people were like, oh, like, really, Dante was that... He was so quiet in person. He would be really shy. But then, you know, when he wasn't around a bunch of people and it was just, like, communicating with Kelsey through text, it was, like, just, like, awful. Like, he would just say, like, you know, nobody else is going to ever love you. Like, you're lucky that I even like you and you're fat and you're ugly. And just, like, verbal abuse from the very beginning of their relationship. And, I mean, it was just, like, she was just so defeated. So some of you listening may recall that you yourselves may have entertained such a relationship when you were in the midst of this young puppy love that resonates with a lot of people. So for Kelsey's friends, the hope was that eventually with growth, maturity, Kelsey would grow out of this relationship and eventually kick Dante to the curb. But remember, Kelsey and Dante had met in junior college. So after the two years, they had an opportunity to go separate ways. Kelsey went to Vanguard University, a Christian school in Costa Mesa, California. And Dante ended up actually going to Emporia State University in Kansas, hoping to play ball for the Division I school. When I say ball, basketball. So Kelsey and Dante broke up, which was a relief to Kelsey's friends because it seemed as though Kelsey would finally move on and she had evolved past this relationship. Kelsey kind of just wanted a fresh start. Her and Dante had broken up for a while, and so Kelsey really just wanted to get out of Colorado and just try to have, like, a new life. And so she was working at a tanning salon when she was living in California. And I think with the move, like, we were all, like, really hoping, because they had broken up, and so she moved. And she started dating somebody else briefly in California. Apparently, he was a nice guy. And then, for whatever reason, they broke up, and her and Dante kind of connected again and started talking again. But we had always, like, hoped for better, but it was just hard because we knew how much Kelsey loved him. And then, eventually, she moved back. I don't want to say that she moved back for Dante, but I do believe that, like, the combination of, like, missing home and her recalling things with Dante is what led her to move back to Colorado. The relationship in California ended, and the gravitational pull between Kelsey and Dante lured her back to Colorado. After her first semester in California, she moved back to Denver, got an apartment, and it was upon Kelsey's return over Christmas break of 2013 that Dante and Kelsey rekindled their relationship, and Dante became her focus once again. But this new start didn't fix the fundamental problems between the two. The emotional abuse Dante had subjected Kelsey to in the past kicked her right back up again. Something that we talk about is like, you know, what did she even see in him? And I think part of it was that, you know, Kelsey loved athletes and like active guys. And so him playing basketball for Northeastern Junior College was like, you know, I think that that kind of made her even more attracted to him. I think that might have been the beginning of it. And then the rest of it was just how narcissistic he was and, like, how he knew how to, like, keep her hanging on, like, waiting for him. And it would just be, like, so much verbal abuse. But then it would be followed up with, like, no, like, you know I love you and you know you're worth it and you know you mean everything to me. And so it was just, like, a back-and-forth thing to where, like, when she was feeling down... Because of him, he was the only person who could make her feel better. Kelsey and Dante's relationship hadn't changed for the better. Despite that fact, it was in February of 2013 that Kelsey started to suspect that she could be pregnant. And she took one of those home pregnancy tests, and it was positive. So she shared the news with Dante. Dante wasn't happy about it, and... I wasn't really surprised by that because he was never, like, doting or really loving towards Kelsey in their relationship. And so it didn't surprise me that she didn't want a child. And Taylor has a theory about why Dante balked at the idea of becoming a father. 
Dante still like thought that he had a chance to go to the NBA, even though like, okay, Dante, like you played basketball at junior college where anybody can get accepted. So what's really strange is that Dante and his mother, Sarah Lucas had tried to convince Kelsey to skip her doctor's appointment and come straight down to see them instead. She was also calling Dante and Dante and Sarah, for whatever reason, were trying to convince Kelsey to go to Pueblo before even going to an appointment. So that right there kind of was like, obviously it's a huge red flag. If they're like, like, we don't even want her to go to the doctor. We want her to wait because she had taken like an at-home pregnancy test, but needed like the official confirmation. But they were like trying to get her to not even go to her doctor's appointment, but to go to Pueblo first. Texts from that time reveal that Kelsey and Dante had several exchanges about the prospects of Dante joining her at an OBGYN appointment. On Sunday, February 3rd, 2013, Dante sent a series of emails to Kelsey trying to persuade her to drive the two hours to his home in Pueblo before her doctor's appointment the following day. It was made clear in the exchange that Dante knew about Kelsey's doctor's appointment the following morning. They exchanged messages via text as well. Here's one such exchange. Kelsey, wow. Are you going to the doctor with me? Dante, seems like you don't want me to go. Kelsey, I asked you to go a couple of times and you made excuses, so I got used to the idea that I was going alone. Kelsey, I really did want you to go to the appointment until he realized that that's the last place you wanted to be. With me is the last place you want to be. To be clear... Texts before and after this exchange paint a picture of an immature, inconsiderate, petulant Dante, really emotionally abandoning Kelsey during this very, uh, you know, sensitive time. For Kelsey, it was both nerve-wracking and exciting because Kelsey really wanted to be a mom. And at one point during this emotional exchange, Kelsey sent Dante a message saying to forget that she was even pregnant at all, which means, you know, they were having this very difficult exchange about, you know, Dante being a father and and bringing this baby into the world, which is heartbreaking. Right. And it's probably not a surprise given what we've learned about Dante so far that he ultimately did not join Kelsey at the doctor's appointment. Kelsey went to her OBGYN appointment alone and she did receive confirmation that she was eight weeks pregnant. So February 4th was the day that Kelsey went to her OBGYN. So she went in the morning and after like she found out she was pregnant she sent a picture to both Dante and to his mom as well as like her family Kelsey was the only one with the car and so that's why she was always going to him but essentially she had sent the uh, picture of the ultrasound to him and he wasn't happy at first his first reaction was just being really angry. So after Kelsey sent Dante a picture of their baby in utero, Dante was not supportive, nor did he seem excited after Kelsey told them that their baby was due on September 13th. So they continued to argue through text again. And the doctor's appointment was in the morning. She sent Dante the ultrasound. And later that day, Kelsey was scheduled to work her job at Floors and Decor. And at some point, Dante's tone shifted into a supportive longing one, which is strange. And he texted her and said that he wished that she didn't have to work that day because he wanted to see her and he wanted her to come get him. And we said before that she was the one with the car. So it was her burden to drive to see him in Pueblo, Colorado. And two hours is a really significant drive for anybody. But Kelsey was committed to keeping them together. So she made it down there to see him whenever she could. And while Dante wasn't supportive of the pregnancy, Kelsey's mother was. They were really close. The kind of close where she immediately sent her mom the image of the baby from the ultrasound. She's excited. They were all excited. And they would continue to be excited even though Dante wasn't. And this confirmation of Kelsey's pregnancy is precisely the reason why her family instantly knew something was terribly wrong when she came up missing on the morning of February 5th. Now, Pueblo, Colorado is about 112 miles south of Denver. 
about a two-hour drive. So Dante was texting her saying he wanted to see her, and Kelsey ultimately agreed to meet him after work. I think because she loved him so much, she wanted to believe so badly that the reason he wanted her down there was so that, you know, he could tell her, like, I, you know, I was wrong and I want to be with you and I want to be a part of this child's life. So Kelsey made the drive and arrived at a Walmart in Pueblo where Dante agreed to meet her. And Kelsey waited. And she waited and waited and waited for over an hour. Dante didn't show. Finally, at nearly midnight, Dante texted her and changed the plan, telling her to meet at his grandma's house at 5113 Manor Ridge Drive. So she pulls out of the Walmart and ultimately meets up with Dante. So after Kelsey meets up with Dante, she goes radio silent. My friends, this episode, this case is not a whodunit. There aren't any red herrings. You know exactly what's about to happen because you've been listening to true crime for far too long. You have a really good idea about what we're dealing with here. But what you might not know is that there is more than one villain in this story. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. On February 4th, 2013, 23-year-old Kelsey Schelling had received confirmation that she was eight weeks pregnant and the father of the baby was her on-again, off-again boyfriend, Dante Lucas. Kelsey then made the two-hour drive from Denver to Pueblo, Colorado to meet with Dante. 
and they were going to talk about the news and what it meant for their relationship. Now, text messages and phone records would later reveal that Dante went to great lengths to lure Kelsey to his area in Pueblo, which was two hours away from Denver, just to see him. And Kelsey and Dante exchanged texts as she was driving down to see him. Now, to paint a picture and to give context to the tone of this rendezvous, one text from Kelsey read, quote, I'm tired of being miserable. This isn't me. I'm always happy. I don't even remember the last time I was happy. I can't do it anymore. Meanwhile, records show that Lucas texted his mother, Sarah Lucas, saying that Kelsey was not, in fact, pregnant and that she had had a miscarriage the previous day. So Kelsey meets up with Dante, and then she goes radio silent. Immediately, red flags go up for Kelsey's family because Kelsey had also texted her mother a picture of the ultrasound image of the baby she'd received at the doctor, as we said. And she was excited about becoming a mother. So the last thing the family would expect is that Kelsey disappears following this kind of news. So looking at the circumstances from the family's perspective, it'd make no sense for Kelsey to stop communicating just out of nowhere. So records would eventually show that the next morning on February 5th at around 11:39 a.m., Kelsey's phone received a text message from Dante's phone that read, quote, "I'm so sorry you had to go through that alone. Just wish you would have told me. It was very likely to happen." Ellipses, three dots. "I could be prepared." I didn't expect to feel like this now. Glean from that what you want, but it seems to me as though that Dante is sort of, you know, setting some things up. So right after that, Dante's phone appears to receive a text message from Kelsey's phone saying, quote, after you get that money, pick me up and stay out of my life. And you'll understand what that means soon. And meanwhile, after repeated failed attempts to reach her, Kelsey's family goes to Dante's house to look for her themselves. And when they learn that Kelsey isn't with him and become worried about her whereabouts, Dante is just completely apathetic. He's disinterested. He's disengaged. He doesn't really care. And he was really vague about the last time that he saw Kelsey and completely useless in talking through the possibilities of where she could possibly be. So days pass with still no signs of Kelsey, so her parents call the Denver Police Department. And on February 9th, an officer, Alan Senema, is dispatched to Kelsey's apartment. And by this point, Kelsey had been missing for four days. So clearly, Kelsey's family members are sick with worry, and they explain to the officer their concerns. How Kelsey's boyfriend, Dante, was the last to see her, and that she literally went missing immediately after her OBGYN appointment when she received the ultrasound photo. They explained that their daughter had this tumultuous relationship with Dante. So the officer looked around Kelsey's apartment, and it was impeccably clean. Now, the Schilling family urged the officer to call Dante, and he does. And on the phone with the police, with Officer Cinema. Dante says that he last saw Kelsey on February 5th, around 2 or 3 a.m., when they talked about their relationship. He said after a few hours, Kelsey came back, saying she didn't feel well. So then they go to Parkview Hospital. This is what he's saying. And he says that Kelsey went inside, and after a few hours, she came outside and then told him that she wasn't pregnant anymore. Dante said that he didn't want to be in a relationship with Kelsey anymore. And on the phone police, Dante again seemed just so detached and apathetic. I just want to add that, like, if you're being questioned by a detective right after your girlfriend goes missing, the need to add that I didn't want to be in a relationship with anymore with her anymore seems pretty um, suspicious. <laughs> Well, it's like your narcissism is fucking showing. Well, it's like it's like really she's missing, and you're like, hey, by the way, dude, uh, Officer Cinema, I didn't want to be in a relationship with anymore with her anymore. Like, what are you doing? Or she was just pregnant with my baby, and she lost it. And by the way, by the way, I was like her anyways. Yeah, it's just the grossest, yeah, most telling um, display of who he is. Really, 
It's disgusting. And that shouldn't have been the focus. The focus should have been finding Kelsey. From the very beginning, all like all of Kelsey's friends and family, we knew that it was Dante. We knew that there was no way in hell that anybody else was responsible for it. After what Dante told Officer Cinema, footage from the Parkview Hospital was checked. And remember, Dante said that that's where the two had gone because Kelsey didn't feel well. She emerged not having a baby anymore, remember? So, but there was no evidence that he or Kelsey had ever been there. Inside the hospital, there were no medical records indicating Kelsey had ever been seen there. So blatant lie number one, we're catching Dante in. Kelsey's family filed a missing persons report and information about Kelsey were as follows. She was between 5'2 and 5'4, 120 pounds, dark brown hair, hazel eyes, Caucasian with a tan complexion. She had tattoos that included a Chinese symbol on the back of her neck, cursive writing on the inside left of her arm, and a fleur-de-lis on her ribcage. And the clothing that she was last seen wearing was a black coat with a fur-trimmed hood over a light gray jacket, black Victoria's Secret workout pants, tan Ugg boots, and stud earrings. So the police keep on interviewing Dante. And he claims that he actually had text exchanges with Kelsey after she had gone missing. He also claimed that she had called him on February 9th from a private number and that she was angry with him. And also on the 9th, he actually texted Kelsey's mom and said, quote, I talked to her, she's okay, but her phone's broken. On this alleged call, he claimed that Kelsey told him to leave her alone, stop leaving her voicemails, don't worry about her. He said that he begged her to contact her family, just tell them where you are. And when they asked Dante where she could be, his best guess was California. Because remember, in the short time when Kelsey and Dante had really called it quits, Kelsey had been in California, and she was actually dating a new boyfriend. So that's where Dante was pointing at. Like, she's there. She's in California. Additional interviews were conducted, and Dante made other perplexing statements. At one point, saying, of the night in question, where Kelsey went missing, I was high as fuck. And he also said he was drinking alcohol, high on weed, and cocaine. He claimed that Kelsey spent the night with him at his grandmother's house at one point, and that they went to Walmart. But at a different point in the interview, Dante also claimed that Kelsey was probably drugged up in Europe somewhere. At a different point, he backpedaled out of his story about going to the hospital. Dante also told an investigator that he had never seen a dead body in his life. He added that he loved Kelsey and that she was his best friend, but he was not in love with her. These are the things he's saying as she's fucking missing. So it's very infuriating. So days continue to pass and Kelsey's family becomes more and more frantic. Welfare checks were conducted at Dante's home with the hope that Kelsey may actually be there safe and sound, but she wasn't. During that search, Dante changes his story once again, claiming that while they were in the car at one point, the couple got into a fight and Kelsey kicked him out of the car before driving off. He has so many outs that he thinks he has, and he goes to the out that we often see We've seen it so many times in so many stories is that they get into a fight while they're driving and then either, you know, the woman jumps out of the car. Yeah. Or, or he kicks her out of the car. I mean, this has happened so many times and this is the, this is the story that he gives. I mean, how stupid does he think that, these officers are and how smart does he think that he is he's changing his story so many different times adding new things and taking things away and then also throwing in there the fact that like he wasn't in love with her and he's ever seen a dead body before like what are these random inserts that he thinks are really benefiting him no honestly the biggest uh red flag to me are the digs he's throwing at his missing girlfriend yeah it's like you don't if she was missing the status of your relationship would be the last thing on your mind. You don't need to add, like you would just be worried about where she was. You don't need to add. I, I, I wasn't, we, we were going to break up. I wasn't in love with her. I, I didn't care. I didn't love her. Like that shit is so irrelevant to the safety of this person you're supposed to care about. Even if you were on the outs with someone that doesn't negate like, human compassion and in love, you know? So I think my biggest red flag here is that this woman is missing. She's carrying your child and you're 
hung up on the semantics of where your relationships stand to the police who are looking for her and you're disinterested in in doing that, you know? Yeah, he's more concerned about how he looks in the fact of having maybe an upper hand in his relationship than he actually is about where his missing girlfriend could be. Dude, yes. And this upper hand aspect is something that people who who lack empathy. I mean, Jack, you and I have seen this before in relationships. It's like people who are more concerned with the status or the power aspects of relationships oh, are, yeah. not, are not always capable. Some are. I guess there are exceptions to everything. But if someone is more concerned with their upper hand in a relationship than whether or not someone is alive or, or the well-being of somebody, like – it's it's disgusting. I mean, I don't even know how to categorize it because I can't get in the head of someone like that. No. But um, it's chilling. Yeah. So people in Denver, Pueblo, and everywhere in between aided for the physical ground search for Kelsey. And they searched far and wide, launched social media campaigns, held vigils, hung up missing persons flyers, and turned to the media to urge the public for help. But one person... Notably absent from the search for Kelsey was Dante and his family. So at one point, Dante, like, told the police, I'm the only person Kelsey knows in Pueblo, me and my family, that's it. And the way that he was acting when her family and, like, friends, like, started contacting him, like, saying, like, do you know where Kelsey is? We haven't heard from her. Like, we're freaking out. He, like, didn't care at all. He was so like nonchalant and like, okay, I'll let you know if I see her, but didn't care at all. Wasn't like trying to actively like talk to the police. Wasn't trying to look for her, which if I'm a law enforcement officer, which I'm not, but if you're a, a, you know, a police officer and you're hearing this information, my first instinct is going to be, okay, that guy either did it or you have something to do with it. And it needs to be looked into further. Meanwhile, it was revealed that Kelsey's debit card had actually been used to withdraw $400 on the morning of February 5th. Now remember, that was the morning that she went missing. So they checked some footage from the bank, some video footage. And the hope, of course, was that the person that was withdrawing these funds would be Kelsey. But no, that wasn't the case. It was Dante. Dante was pulling up in Kelsey's black 2011 Chevy Cruze. He went up to the bank. He got out $400 using Kelsey's ATM card. So time passes. Still no answers. But more compromising surveillance footage is discovered. So after Dante withdrew Kelsey's funds from her bank account on February 5th, he's seen parking Kelsey's car at the Walmart which is supposed to be their original meeting place on the night Kelsey drove down to Pueblo to see him. On the footage, we can see Dante stepping out of the driver's side as another camera records him walking away to the rear of the Walmart store, where he's picked up by another car. And it turns out the car that picks him up is being driven by his mother, Sarah Lucas, and his grandmother, Vivian Lucas. So for the next 18 hours, Kelsey's car sits in the same parked position, No one else exits the car or enters the car following morning on February 6th. But then, on that morning, an unidentified man whose face can't be seen, dressed in a dark hoodie, is captured by the same camera getting Kelsey's car, sitting into it and driving away. So you have to realize right now what we're seeing in this time frame and in this surveillance video is is directly contradicting Dante's story. Dante's story can't be true if the surveillance footage is true, which it is. Not only does he walk around to the back of the store, which doesn't really make sense unless you're trying to hide something. And the person who picked him up, there were two people in the car and it was Dante's mom and Dante's grandma. When you question like, why is my son dropping off his girlfriend, his pregnant girlfriend's car at Walmart and then walking around the back and having me pick him up? Like, that's, a, that's not normal. And Taylor brings up a good point because Dante's mother does come into play later. But we're going to go back. The next day, February 7th, an unidentified man is captured by surveillance cameras dropping Kelsey's car off at St. Mary Crown Hospital in Pueblo. 
And the video imagery is not clear enough to identify who that subject actually is, but it's clear that Kelsey is not seen in any of the surveillance footage. Police discover her car a week after Kelsey disappeared. So obviously, all of this video evidence, it goes against whatever Dante is saying. And he's got a bunch of different versions of what he's saying. And we're all thinking, Dante did this. Dante's responsible for her disappearance and probably her murder. No doubt about it. It seems as though that from the moment he tried to lure her down to Pueblo, he had a plan. So Kelsey had sent Dante's mother, Sarah, a photo of the ultrasound. And hours after, Dante had told his mom that Kelsey actually had a miscarriage and wasn't pregnant anymore. And then he seemingly staged texts and calls between him and Kelsey's phone after he incapacitated her. Even the fact that he stood her up at Walmart for a time before telling her to meet him at his grandmother's house was suspicious. It was obvious to her friends, to her family, to anyone paying attention. Anyone who heard the story knew exactly who was responsible for the fact that Kelsey wasn't in touch with her friends and family. They believed that Dante had killed Kelsey. But the Pueblo Police Department, for whatever reason, did not share the same sense of urgency that Kelsey's loved ones did. And naturally, this was causing mounting frustration. I was in touch with our mutual friend. She was really close to Kelsey, like closer than I was. And so she, you know, was just telling me, like, that Kelsey's mom, Laura Saxton, was really frustrated because the police were not taking this seriously at all. Um, I mean, it's literally like gut-wrenching and makes you nauseous to know how inactive they were um, with her case. And like her family and friends, like we all knew, you know, right from the beginning that it was Dante. The agony and frustration with the lack of movement in Kelsey's case was palpable to everyone. But then a step forward was finally made. Dante Lucas was arrested on three counts of identity theft for using Kelsey's debit card at the bank. It wasn't an arrest for her murder, but at least it was a good start in the right direction. Maybe the Pueblo Police Department, who had demonstrated unexplained resistance in investigating Kelsey's disappearance, was finally coming around on what was an obvious Thing to everybody watching. But then, law enforcement in Pueblo did a 180, crushing the family once again. The identity theft charges against Dante were apparently dropped because it was revealed that Kelsey, quote, let Dante use her debit card all the time. Which I want to chime in on um, as a woman. It's like, what else can we... What else do we need to know about this dude? He didn't have a car. She did. She was doing all the driving. Mm -hmm. She was paying for everything. He was verbally abusing her. She was putting up with his garbage. This whole thing that he got off on these charges of identity theft for using her card after she went missing because he used his, he used Kelsey's card all the time is so fucking pathetic. I could die. Well, and yeah. it's like that it would be one thing if she didn't go missing. Like, She's missing. You used her debit card after she went fucking missing. Yeah. Obviously, this is important. And and pulling $400 out of an account. How many, like, think about that. How many times have you actually taken out $400, $400 from an ATM? Never. You know, it's just disgusting that the police were like, yeah, 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 makes sense. No charges. Charges dismissed. Right. You use her card all the time, dude. No problem. She pays for you all the time and she's missing. Cool, cool, cool. It must mean that you're using her account after she went missing is okay. No. Yeah. So he's free and it had been weeks with no sign or word from Kelsey. And there was actually no other activity on her debit card, on the credit cards, besides that original withdrawal from Dante. And also no activity from her email or social media accounts. Yeah, there was no surprise that Kelsey's loved ones were stunned at all of this. At the release of Dante, uh, they expected him by now to be arrested for murder of their fucking daughter. Despite that, time continued to pass. 
And the reality of the situation became more and more clear and more and more infuriating. Deep down, I wanted to believe that it was a different situation and that, you know, maybe she just needed to decompress. But knowing Kelsey and how communicative she was with her friends and family, I feel like I knew that she was dead. And this reality was an agonizing one, made more painful and infuriating by the fact that at this point, Kelsey's case had been idling for months. And an apathetic, unaffected, smug and defiant Dante lived his life freely. And Kelsey's family and friends were obviously outraged and did whatever was in their means to try and motivate the Pueblo PD to appropriately act and expose the truth of the case. I remember I like like went through a period of time where I would just like contact him and message him um, on Facebook and I would just say like we know you did it we all know you did it and he was just like I didn't kill anybody lol like laughing about it he's like I have no reason to feel to feel any sort of guilt and then I was like, I'm just curious as to how you live with yourself every day. Don't you feel sick and nasty inside? You do realize the truth will come out eventually, don't you? And his response was, not at all. I have no reason to feel like that. And I was just like, she was so good to you. Like, I don't understand how you did this. And he was just like, you're a joke. And I said, you're a liar and you're a sick person. And Eventually, he blocked me on Facebook, obviously. I remember going back to my messages and getting his phone number because he messaged it to me when Kelsey and I were hanging out once. And he was like, Kelsey's phone's dead. Just have her call me. And so I called that number. And I was just, like, trying to, like, intimidate him, you know. And I'm like, I know what you did. And, like, we know that you killed Kelsey. Where is she? And all that I heard on the other end was laughter. And I was just, like, sick to my stomach. And it was him because I heard him say hello, but to only hear, like, laughing, like, that, that it was that it was so funny to them, and it was just, like, sickening. It's unbelievable, truly, but months went by and years went by. Kelsey continued to be missing, and Dante continued to be free, and his freedom would taunt and torment those closest to Kelsey. Members of Dante's family would also be implicated in his overt murder conspiracy eventually. And Kelsey's friends and family were steadfast in their demand for justice and really refused to give up. Truly, though, it wouldn't be until the Colorado Bureau of Investigation got a hold of the case that the shocking truth about why this investigation had been derailed would eventually be revealed. And believe it or not, more pain and loss of life would emerge in the wake of the murderer, Dante Lucas. All of that and more next week when we conclude with part two of our story on Kelsey Schelling. All right. Well, a huge thank you to Taylor for being our first degree guest this week. She'll be with us next week as well. If you're listening and you have a story to tell, you can email us hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Come join our Facebook group by searching the first degree. We're talking true crime all the time and we're going to stick around and kill some time after this. If you or someone you know are at fear due to domestic violence, please call 1-800-799-SAFE. Big thanks to Jared Monaco for sound design and for creating original music for The First Degree. Thanks to our producing team, Caitlin Cleveland, Taylor Rogers, and Alan Santiago for Podcast One. Sources for today's episode include The Pueblo Chieftain, News AU, ABC News, KOAA News, The Denver Channel, KTVR, and as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. All right, well, welcome to 
yet another episode of Killing Time. You know what? This is a very special episode of Killing Time, and we have a very special guest, Mr. Jared Monaco. Hi, yeah. It's it's Jared's week, and I and it's Jared's week for two reasons. The first reason is it was his birthday on Sunday. Woo! Woo! He's he's 33 years young. It's actually this is the now two month period where Jared and I are the same age. So I'm not a cougar. <laughs> we have t- we have two months. I beg to differ. Two months. Rude. And then also it's very special because Jared's band, The Main, just released their first single off their new record called Sticky. And it's a fucking Sticky. bop. It really is a bop banger mixture. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Girlfriend approved. That's all I was looking for. It's it, bot yeah. banger mixture. It swings. Also, Jer, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know the verbiage to like repost on Instagram, but I did, and I texted Jared. I was like, "Did I do it right?" Like, I don't know because I'm not in the music scene. Verbiage of but what? I was like, "New single out." I don't know. <laughs> oh I like God. reposted shit, and I was like, "Jared, did I do it right?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, that was good." No, you know, and I was like, "Oh, you did just as good as I did." I mean, I've never been a groupie, Jack. Um, so I don't. It comes know. natural to me, I guess. <laughs> I know, yeah. but like I'm the only groupie I want to be is a Jared groupie Jack's in not, support of Jared and Jack. Yeah, so. Jack's not a groupie; she's a band aid. Yeah, okay? yeah, uh, yeah. That's there's so- a difference. <laughs> Get it right. Yeah, totally. so it was Jared's birthday. We went to Napa. We um, drank wine for three days straight. Uh, Alexis and Billy sent us a champagne, a bottle of champagne, and it was a whole fiasco getting it, but it was so sweet. <laughs> we love you. Uh, oh. It's just the people at the hotel, they're like, we can't find um, res- hotel guests under that name. When they're checking in, I'm like, no, they're there. They're just at dinner drinking. They're like, no, no, there's, they don't have a room. I was like, they have a room. They're like, well, maybe are they with another couple from Oregon? I'm like, yes, yes. And they were like, <laughs> I was like, well, that's where they are. They're like, well, they're we not don't there. Know. They're not there. Yeah, yeah. I was they like, don't okay, exist. cool. I was like, they're gonna come get it from you. It was a whole to do. Um, but their customer service was amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> and you- what's what, you know, one of what's super cute um is that I was like, I want like a bottle of Vuv or Moet or or this, and they're like, we don't have that. We have bottles three times as expensive you've never heard of. I'm like, okay, just one of those. <laughs> yeah. They won't know it's better, but I'm here for that. We, yeah, beca- yeah. Beca- because because I was like, I because, want one they'll know is good. No, they're like, well, they yeah, we have because, only in Napa wine because so like, you guys okay. were in Napa, so it was it only raised good, the stakes. Only really good shit. Well, the best part about this is so we went with a couple, and the guy's birthday and. Jared and him share a birthday. So it was both of their birthdays. And at the fancy dinner that we were at, his business partner sent us a bottle of champagne, the Mm -hmm. finest bottle of champagne. And guess what? It was the same brand. So we did know that it was fancy. (laughs) Well, I think what's hysterical is that when I called the hotel, it was Harvest Inn. And I was like, hey, um, I have no idea about this. I got so full, full disclosure, I texted Jack's mom to find out where they were because they didn't know where they were staying. She's like, Harvest. And I was like, cool. So I Googled the number. I called them. And they they were like, hold on. And I told them what I wanted to do. They're like, let me get you our small yay. I was oh like, okay, God. well, is that necessary? But sure. <laughs> and then they were like, they, they rattled off like <laughs> 10 options. I'm like, um, I don't care. Something in the $150 range. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm in Napa. I only know like six three bo- types of champagne. I'm like a simpleton. Same. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so he's like, ma'am, we don't have Vuv. We don't have Moet. We don't. I was like, okay, what do you recommend? Oh my and God. that was it. And I was like, that sounds good. Billy's fucking going to Venmo me for half. <laughs> I can like, I can go wild. And that's what we did. Oh. I hope you guys, I know you guys were drinking a lot. I hope you remember it. Probably not. Barely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's like <laughs> little slivers of it. I remember being really good. Well, but- we had just run through a vineyard for for some reason it was like walking distance from the restaurant to our hotel and after dinner we're like we should go on an adventure so we go the <laughs> back way through the vineyard and then we thought that police were chasing us so we started running our friend tuck tuck dropped and rolled like it was so bad uh, well we thought well, yeah because i you're in napa i was like you're probably not supposed to be walking through these vineyards and i totally thought we were about to get arrested but we kind of <laughs> no, popped I, the fence I, I, ran for it I fully knew Jack was drunk and I was like, hey, Jack, 
what's the name of the of what's Lindsay's last name? I need to know your room. And she's like, love you, Lux. I'm like, yeah, she's drunk. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting a straight answer right now. Like, she was just like, that's so sweet. I'm like, but I need to know the name of the room. She's like, love you. I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, we're we're on our own with this one. Oh my God. <laughs> they're like, they're like Hunter S. Thompson right now, like crawling, yeah, army crawling through the vineyards, like no idea what's happening. Well, um, another <laughs> speaking of a sommelier, so we're like at this fancy steakhouse. Right. And any time the guy that we were with, he loves wine. So he's like such he's a wino, like knows every little note and everything. So the sommelier comes over, they're like all talking and stuff. And I'm looking at this sommelier and he's he's, you know, he's doing that. You do his accent, Jared. <laughs> he's like, nah. <laughs> he's like mm, yes mm, you can taste the notes of chocolate and cigar Ooh, and I, he had like an old-timey 1950s accent yeah so anyways i ordered a beer from him <laughs> he's like nice. Ooh, happy and the hints of wheat and honey and mm, yes, but anyways we're like he's talking to us i'm like i need to know more about this guy sommeliers <laughs> are so they're so uh, mysterious, you know? I'm like, quite, what, do you, uh-huh. what do you do in your normal life? I'm like, and I, then at the very end of the night when I was super fucked up, I was like, do you sound, do you talk like this in normal life? Or is this like a little <laughs> voice that you have going on? And I don't remember his answer. I don't know. He kind of had, he was like a vampire. I feel like most. He must have pretended to speak like that in real life. Because otherwise it'd be like, I'm a sham. Yeah. And no yeah. one can admit yeah. that. Well, he must have been like, ha. <laughs> of course, this is how I talk. Can I, can I have the venti frappuccino, please? <laughs> no, but that 100%. I did also ask him, or I had my friend ask him what his favorite band was because I was like, this isn't going to be a telling thing for a sommelier. All right, what was it? Rage Against the Machine. No. He is, that's a fake accent. Our whole that's table is like, oh! yeah. There's yeah. no way that's a real accent. No. Is what you can glean from that. Yeah, that, that guy's not singing Bulls on Parade no. with that accent. No. Not with that accent. But I think so if that was his real accent, his favorite song would be like, I am 16 going on 17. I don't God. know who I am. Like, that's an accent of someone's favorite song. That's that, you know, like, yeah. you know, or like, uh-huh. um, do, re, do, a deer. No, but that's that accent or like, like a, me- on- a musical, like something. Yeah. Or a Beethoven. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're both landing on musicals. But I'm saying Rage Against the Machine, his real accent's like, yo, bro. Like, oh, there's yeah. no way mm-hmm. that's his real accent. That's why that's I just his Somalia yeah, accent. He's got he's got a lot of you know what? And it's impressive because he's got a, he's got a lot of rage in him, but yeah. he's that's, he's able to suppress it. That's right. Which is great. He he, he uh neutralizes the uh, yeah. his rage with wine. Yeah. I know. I was like, but that is if anybody finds themselves in a fan at a fancy steakhouse with a really bougie sommelier ask them what their favorite band is it's yep. a, it's a good yep. exercise you know yeah light, light, jared light, the machine lights out gorilla radio yep. wait so i want to i want to have up. i want to know more about jared yes and, and i want to know what sticky means oh well jared never really knows what the lyrics mean no <laughs> this but one's pretty jared, straightforward if you though. had to come up with a fucking poetic explanation oh. is it like you, you stuck to jack is it that like what? you're stuck to like Alexis Linkletter Jared on Google, or is it like you're stuck? <laughs> like to I'm, I'm stuck thinking about the fact that if you Google Alexis, my name shows up. Jared, yeah, have we talked Dude, about this yet on the podcast? No, that no, when it, you Google Alexis Linkletter, the second thing that comes up is Jared. It's not even Billy or me nope. or First Degree or Unraveled or anything. It's probably Alexis Linkletter age and then alexis linkletter or husband, jared husband or family something and then jared and i'm like ooh, what does this mean is it like i love jared so much that people are like and i give jared my best friend's partner so much adoration that they're like that's suspect like I, i'm so fascinated <laughs> they're by, like are they having an affair like yeah, what could like, be going I'm, on so exciting I'm so fascinated i'm so fascinated by the like intrigue that i'm like i'm intrigued <laughs> And I want to know more. I think, like, yeah. I'm, if so, I want to know more about the relationship with Jared that I don't even know I have that yeah, other people it, are seeing. It's, it's it's like a it's like a phantom relationship in another dimension yeah. universe. Yeah. It's what really if cool. what are people seeing that I'm not seeing? I will. I want to know more. I wonder if there's a way we can just get Google on the phone 
and find out what's going on and get to the bottom of this. Be like, what are people's Google? What are people's intentions as they're Googling mm-hmm. Alexis Linkletter and Jared together? Well, maybe it's because I always am like, I love Jared. And they're like, wow. And everyone who's the people who are like perturbed by it are like, I don't understand this. Like, we're, you know, we're all very close. So maybe it's like, maybe I show Jared too much love and it makes people uncomfortable. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but See, it seems wild to me because I am obsessed with Jacqueline even more. I mean, she ignores my texts. It's <laughs> when I'm like the whole thing. Like, I'm more obsessed with Jack than anything. Jared's like third of people mm-hmm. obs- I'm obsessed with who don't reciprocate. So it's like, well, <laughs> like, why isn't it like Alexis Linkletter obsessed with Jack, not reciprocated? Yeah. The yeah. first thing. I don't know. Where Alexis Linkletter self-loathing should be second. <laughs> Alexis Linkletter, um, I don't fucking know. Um, embarrassing, something you know. There's several <laughs> things that should Alexis be before Linkletter Alexis Linkletter hands. I think should be up there. Alexis Linkletter sausage, disproportionately sausage. large <laughs> hands should be third, and then Jared. The fact that Jared's second is baffling. Yeah, well, there's so, so many other more uh, more apparent things that should be. We just yeah. need frankly. to. I mean, anybody that has googled Alexis Linkletter, Jared, just let us know what your intentions were because we all are, we are very. Um, yes. interested, I think. I have to say, Alexis Linkletter, the tank is still up there in the top six. That's what's up. We need to bring that back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jared, tell us about Sticky. Sticky Icky. It's pretty simple. It's like, you know, do you want me to actually break it down? Well, just, yeah. well, yeah, number one, they recorded Sticky last January. So usually when they record a record, they release it within a few months after recording. Yeah, so once lockdowns like started we started writing and we had that song we wrote that song over a year ago so we've just been sitting on it and then like four or five months later we actually wrote the record so that thing was like the lead track by a long long shot so it's just weird to put it out finally it's been so long i like you almost forget about it and it's like the most simple song in the entire world with the guitar allegedly that's what jared said it's i loved it oh it's awesome so easy it's Uh so good jared you're so talented it gets stuck in your head I miss uh we've been, we've all been to the main shows with Jack. I made my dad go. Yep. Into it. And you guys are so good. I can't wait till we yeah. things open back up I and I can see I, sticky in the real. Yeah. No, I can't wait to go to a main show. Seriously. There's so much fun. So fun. The fans are so passionate. Everyone I've never seen a crowd like as much of a percentage of a crowd singing the words of a song. To every song. Then yeah. a- anything. Yeah, I've been to so many concerts. I've never seen that before. It's crazy. We're very lucky to have that. But, you know, kids seem stoked on this one, too. So it's cool. Well, you can't have a good band without a good guitarist. Oh, I think you might be right. Yeah, 100% right. And you're honestly the only one with the fucking rock star hair. (laughs) And the first main show I went to, I was like, Jack, does he know he has like a fan blowing on him? She's like, yeah, yeah, that's like intentional. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah, that's a Beyonce move. Well, is it because you get hot or it's because he gets hot? I get very hot. I run it like 200 degrees. But But now it'll fucking cool. Now it'll be. Well, we were watching. Why do we start watching those Metallica videos? We're watching videos of Metallica when they played in Russia to like 3 million people. And all of them had this long, luscious, flowing hair. Dude, I'm like, Jared, I'm team hair. keep this forever. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my idols. It's the rock star hair. Yeah, you see? Uh-huh. Finally. I look like an accountant in a band for like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, when he had his short hair, he looked like he somehow ended up on stage from his office job. No, mm-hmm. When I was pulling up pictures from... I was pulling up pictures because I did some Instagram posts for Jared's birthday. Mm-hmm. And like some of them, ha- he had short hair. And I remember being like, Jared looks handsome with short hair also. Oh. He looked great. He but does. It's like when we did House of Creep, like we did the photo booth photos mm-hmm. for Halloween a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You, me, Billy, and Jack. We did that. And you, you had short hair. and it looked, But it wasn't short. It was like, you yeah. know. Growing like a, a little. Yeah. But yeah. it was tucked behind your ears, like lengthy, mm-hmm. but like textured thick look good but it was shorter but it looked great oh i mean i happen to love long hair and i love that you and jack are looking more and more alike every day yeah, i'm fucking we're literally it. fusing we're right now we're we're you fusing one, into one you are one molecule mm-hmm. yeah. um fusing more and more each day <laughs> anything else chair about sticky icky um i just need to know no it's just out everywhere now but side note 
I finally joined the first degree Facebook group oh, yeah. last night. Oh, I approved Jared, and what I was offended by is that me and Jared aren't even friends on Facebook. <laughs> it's like right. I'm approving I don't, I don't this. Use big- my Facebook. Jared, that's fine, but if you're going to join the first degree, you have to add me on Facebook because, Jared, you know how out of my way I go to send you golden retriever I know. content? Do you bring them over from Facebook? Facebook or Instagram, and, like, I always send them to text, and, I'm like, we're not on Facebook, but if you were on Facebook, we're not Facebook friends, and I... You know, I'm. I take it very personally. Well, my mom also. She, my mom wrote a birthday post for Jared, and it was so cute. She like texted me, texted it to me before. She's like, "Do you think that I should write this for the Facebook group for Jared's birthday?" And I'm like, "Yeah, mom, that's so sweet." I was. Was it May away. who did the original post? Yeah, she did the birthday post for Jared. Oh my god, Jared! I can't. Mm. You know, it makes sense though. It took May to get you to join the first degree facebook group and now there's sure, all the please praise add me as a friend bitch love you but like come on it's been long enough it's been years long time lurker first time poster yeah there you go <laughs> all right well i feel like we've killed enough time we've killed yes, enough time stream download listen to sticky icky the main we love you jared love you guys love you beep beep what if i was like i don't love you <laughs> oh, okay